Hello, good evening. <clears throat> it's me, 2nd of February 2021. And uh, I'm holding my uh, quartz crystal today. I'm just going to talk about <clears throat> really just what happened a few days, just a few days, just to remember these beautiful events. Um, and as I'm talking, I'm just holding and looking at this quartz crystal. Just, just love crystals. I don't know. I always have one who is with me as I'm working every day. I have a collection of them. I have <clears throat> smoky quartz. I've got selenite. Um, I've got amazonite, bumblebee jasper. They got really fancy names. Um, clear quartz. Uh, the purple one, amethyst, yeah, I've got different ones. Um, I've got aquamarine as well. So today, Enzo is lucky, he got home early because it's a snowstorm, daddy brought him home. And of course he comes and he plays in my room and um, he's like, uh, he has his own crystal. He's got his fluorite, just a green one and sel um, selenite. And he's like, Mama, why are you putting your crystals by the window? I'm like, well, because, you know, they're getting the energy from the sun and the moon. It's like, okay. I think mine wants to be with the others. So I'm like, do it. Because I was keeping his fluorite next to me. For some reason, I felt like I wanted the, the green um, fluorite with me. It has a beautiful shape. It's completely like a cube. Um, and it's light green. It's very pretty. So... He took it from me and then he put it by the ledge of the window and he's like i want that one that one that one so i have a spray a bottle of spray it's actually water with some pine um, essential oil inside so i use that to spray my plants and he's like I, I want this because i want to bless my crystals and then i want to bless buddha i'm like okay all right so he's like, you know, spraying away and uh, he starts to ring my, my bell as well. I have this beautiful Tibetan bell and it makes a beautiful sound like this. Yeah. So my, my dear Enzo was ringing this bell too, to bless. <laughs> he wanted to look at my oracle cards. So he's very into spirituality in his own way. Yeah, he's really sweet. Just wanted to remember that. And yesterday night, because um, I had taken care of, I've been taking care of the boys since, uh, you know, it was my night to take care of the boys. And uh, oh, we had so much fun, just lots of huggies and lots of kisses. And Enzo was super happy. He had lots of cuddles with mom. And then I'll go over to his brother's bed and I'll cuddle his brother with Jules. And then Enzo will be like, oh, hug, 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 hug. Like, I'll get enough. And he's like, Mama, you're my champion. I'm like, oh, thank you, Enzo. And he's like, you're my, you're a champion. You're my champion. And then uh, Jules, who's around eight, 
going on eight. He's 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 getting naughty. He's he's getting more shy about expressing his feelings. He's like, Mama is the pet champion. Like she makes loud pet. And then he's laughing at his funny joke. Everything about you right now it's pet, which means fart. Um, kaka and pipi and kiki and yeah, he's well into that age. And Enzo got really annoyed. He's like, no, Mama is not the pet queen. Mama is champion of baseball. I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> he got really upset because you kept insisting that I'm the champion of, you know, fart queen. So, um, okay, okay, fine, whatever. They start quarreling. They start buggering. And then I go over to Jules' bed. And then Jules like, oh, he gets his chance to snuggle with Mama. And then Enzo comes as well as Ben, and then she like fights him off. You go back to your bed. <laughs> so I was like, Enzo, come on, this is Joe's turn. So then she gets to cuddle with Mama, and then she very quietly, under his breath, he says, Mama is the champion of my heart. Oh, melt, melt. So that is sure that's so sweet. But he felt very embarrassed to say this, so he couldn't say this too loud. In case Enzo hears, he's like, Mama is the champion of my heart. I'm like, oh, so sweet. So we had lots of cuddles, lots of huggy doos, And uh, yeah, lots and lots of kisses. And I had to massage his back. So there was a lot of singing songs and massaging the back. And then I had to go over to Enzo again and cuddle him. So we went back and forth, back and forth for like almost... <laughs> started doing this bedtime stories and everything 7 30 and by the time the kids went to bed it was 9 30 so we were really you know they were really not wanting to fall asleep and then at some point because i was hanging around with them and you know being all cuddly and not being the typical mom like yelling at them get your stuff done and i was being real snuggle snuggle because they're you know they're growing up so fast, so I'm just like, taking all the opportunity to get all my share of cuddles. And then Jill said, um, uh, starts telling me all about the bullying incidents that he had at school. And he's like, you know, remember when I was in this St. Anne and then in Joseph Enrico, there's this boy who always bullies me. Remember? I'm like, yeah, 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 I remember. This boy is so mean, he throws on purpose rocks at my face I'm like it hit my eye I'm like what so this boy's been always picking on June like hitting him with a rock on the eye and then he said he was on the playground like on top of the slide and then this boy came and like shouted and threw rocks at him and then he almost fell backwards and like you know had a huge injury but he didn't he found his balance and then the boy accused Jules of causing trouble to the teachers. So then Jules got into trouble because that boy provoked him and then Jules must have reacted. And then that boy went off to tell the teacher. So he was really a, a bad, a mean kid. So that at first I was full of anger and I'm like, yeah, go, go punch that fella in the face. You know, it's like you just give one big punch like you just make sure that punch he remembers it for life and he's never gonna and then I changed my tune and I went um no 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 don't punch him because she went if I punch him I'll get into trouble I'm like 
yeah, yeah, okay, you're right. Okay, don't punch the, the, the bugger. You, um, you yell real loud and you shout, you make sure you sound really fierce and you're not scared and you say, you stop that. Make sure everybody hears you in the playground. Okay, so you get the attention of the teachers. Make sure everybody knows this kid is bullying you. Okay, make sure it's real loud and clear. He's like, okay, all right, all right. And um, then I, I went in a very soft way and I said, well, you know, he's only a kid. <laughs> you know, kids, he must be going through a tough time at home and his parents must be really mean and fighting and whatever. And so he's angry himself and he doesn't understand what's going on. So he's looking for someone to bully. It's not really because he's mean, but he's going through a lot of bad situation at home. So um, stay clear from people like that, Jun, because there's always going to be bullies everywhere, and it's because they're being bullied at home. So um, so he's like, okay, all right. And so the kids, it was interesting, this bedtime conversation, because right now they're, they're playing Zelda. Okay, so Zelda is this uh, you know, Nintendo Switch game. And I don't play video games, but, you know, the kids do. And in Zelda, they have to kill a lot of monsters. So it's all about killing and, you know, getting points. And then you're finding treasures because you killed someone. So it's a lot of killing. I don't like it, but, well. Um, so that's their game right now. They're all talking about Zelda, Jules, and, and so and even Eva loves Zelda. And... Their favorite storybook, every night I have to read Momotaro the Peach Boy. It's a Japanese storybook that I bought in Japan. And for some reason, both Jules and Enzo just loves Momotaro. So he's a samurai. He, he turns into, he's a, a warrior boy with magic powers. And then him and the pheasant, the monkey and the dog, they go fight the demons on Demon Isle. And... Momotaro is the strongest boy in Japan. He fights the demons. He lets them live, and the demon king gives him all the treasures. So I had an interesting conversation with Shuri as well, all related to bullying. He said, mm, because I read them Momotaro for stories. And he's like, well, if I were Momotaro, I would just kill the demon king because they had this close fight. But Momotaro let the demon king live. So she asked me, uh, if I were Momotaro, I'd just kill the demon king. And I went, oh, okay, he's perhaps because of that instinct of killing from the video games. He's saying, like, he's so strong, why don't he just kill and finish him off and then take his treasure? That was what she was saying. I'll just kill them all and then take their treasure. And I went, hmm. So for a moment, it caught me by surprise, didn't know what to say. Then I went, well, that is the difference between um, a killer, uh, a fighter, and uh, a warrior, you know? A warrior, uh, a true samurai warrior, or, you know, a true hero. He is the hero of Japan. True hero is someone who practices control. It's to tell your bully, the demons, that I'm stronger than you, and you're sending a very clear signal you're not afraid to fight. 
but you're not gonna kill them you're gonna let them live you're gonna give them another chance and you saw that shit you saw the demons were very impressed by his strength his kindness and they were all very touched because Momotaro let them live and they all wave him goodbye and they all said the demon said oh Momotaro the strongest boy under the sun and uh, they were all very impressed by him he managed to change the heart of the demons and they never gave trouble to the people in Japan anymore correct he's like okay so that's the difference between a hero and you know someone who's just fighting and killing is someone a hero has a conscience doesn't need to kill he knows that he can give them another chance but he's not weak he's doing something about it he's fighting but then that's it he doesn't have to strike and hurt the other guy to kill that person so that was an important lesson I believe it was a it did make some sense to sure I could think I could feel he was thinking in his little in his eight-year-old brain he was really thinking trying to make sense of this all because later in the night you know after that bedtime story and the hugging sessions he started telling me about his bullying incidents at school so first that naughty boy in San Luke uh, in um, Joseph Enrico in the old school now we moved house he's in a new school and uh, he told me out of the blue he says I have my best friend so and so and I have another best friend so and so he says you know I have this friend of mine not gonna mention his name it's like you know um, you know because I, I talked about that naughty boy in the previous school probably the reason why he's bullying is because his parents must be really angry and fighting and creating a really you know bad environment at home so he's feeling very upset and angry and insecure and and I think that triggered Jill to start thinking and then out of the blue he started sharing with me stuff about his friend's parent and he said there's a friend of his at school told him that his daddy is a very angry man and uh, he is so angry he loses his temper on his mom and he said once my mom his mother I mean the friend's mother had her thumb on the door and the father just slammed the door to slam shut on his wife's finger with the door an act of huge violence and um, so I'm like oh my god I said yeah and then she was like I do not go near this person's dad so I think this father must be picking up the kid from school and Jill knew about it so he's like don't, don't worry mom I'm, I'm staying away from this person's you know my friend's dad I'm like yeah, yeah better and uh, she said another time his mother bought uh, a book for a hundred dollars and when the father found out he he was so angry he ripped and tore the whole book apart into many different pages just tore it apart out of rage and I was like oh my god this is not normal so I said to Jude I said you know if if um, you feel that 
your friend is in a very bad situation and you know this is not normal first i said this is not normal that his your friend's father is treating his mother like this this is not normal behavior that no man should ever be angry and hit a woman so i told him this is not good behavior okay it's wrong and you know he can tell the teacher about this and then either the police can put that father in jail literally okay this is not right behavior so she was like yeah okay okay i understand and um he said um yeah this this hurt his friend's dad is trying to get help and apparently he's getting better in managing his anger issues so i'm like whoa we're having conversations about bullying about domestic violence from my eight-year-old kid like very interesting so i think this covid lockdown right now that we're all going through um so far a lot of our close friends you know we seem to be going through it very well and um but i suppose it must be pretty tough for many families as well and uh you know domestic violence is on the rise because of a lot of stress and anxiety and pent up anger and uh, you know when folks lose their jobs and it's it's very hard to handle so um yeah so it's just it feels sad to hear about such stuff but i'm glad that you know i i got to hear such stories as well from my son means that he's he's really opening up because i think these are also difficult subjects for the little kid to process and they're not it's it's very foreign to them and they're trying to make sense of it all and they don't quite know the bearings so yeah it was great to to hang out with the boys and although bedtime got pushed out a little bit more further i felt it was um not very interesting very very memorable of course we had lots of kisses and hugs and we felt really loved and that's so important you know it's um i'm so blessed with children and this is they are the biggest wealth for me i feel like uh, a billionaire you know i feel really rich because um yeah i i have such an abundance of joy when you know just loving them and i i don't love them enough i'm always lost in my head somewhere you know lost in my head space um, lost at work you know and uh sometimes even if it's just taking like an evening like that just really just smothering them with lots of kisses for an hour and a half or something it feels so good <laughs> and you develop this rapport and this bond it's also really really cool and the previous night as well it was so cool like ever out of the blue asking me about you know the refugee stories and what she's learning at school about um yeah black the black history in Canada and uh they had in West Island High School where she's from private school really good curriculum i would say it's awesome something that i never had when i was growing up in singapore it's this whole humanitarian approach in inculcating that to kids at a very young age she's only like 12 13 and they're talking about the world war 2 and what happened you know uh 
the Jews, the Nazis, they're learning really tough topics. They're talking they're talking about what happened in Syria, the refugees, and you know, a little boy got washed up in the beach because um the boat capsized, you know, the refugees, they are asylum, political asylum seekers. Um they had to watch videos about a boy who was interviewed, he was in Syria, he um he saw his dad being blasted by the bomb with eyes wide open right in front of him, died, killed. He was all alone. His mom was gone off to a refugee camp and uh, he had to live for a week amongst dead corpses in order to go past unnoticed so that he's not being killed himself. And he had to eat rotten food and try and find whatever food he could find and live amongst dead corpses and it was like i'm like asked ever uh, how do you feel and she said it feels awful <laughs> so that is amazing and you know she learned all about the refugees what's happened history the dark side of history and um yeah and, and this week is about you know uh black history in Canada and they they had someone who gave them a talk at, at lunchtime and this man was the um, one of the very first black NHL player um, and apparently something I couldn't get the details but I think that towards the end of his career in NHL they asked him to go and work in the mines that was the respect and treatment that he got um, and, the, and the man who is now an old man who was telling them this was crying because he felt so sad in the bottom of his heart and he wanted, you know, all the children to remember that, you know, this is really prejudice. Um, but he didn't work in the mines, he refused and he became a very successful businessman. And then Ava told me about another story about, you know, a few, few years later, another black man made it in the NHL. But before he got in there, he was so severely bullied um, in, in in hockey that someone purposely shot a puck and it blinded his right eye. And in order to continue to play professional, uh, you know, what do you call ice hockey, I guess, he had to, um, he lied to his parents about his um, blindness in one eye. And he continued to pursue professional sports and was really successful. So this is like the harshness and brutality. And, you know, Eva, who is like, uh, I don't know, I mean, she never felt, saw, heard any story of prejudice, racism, um, you know, war stories, nothing. Suddenly thrown into this by school enlightening them opening up their eyes i think that is just great it's like uh, and we had a long chat about you know how my dad and my dad's dad my granddad why did he leave china to go to burma and i said well you know it's like uh china that was a communist era at that time and and many many of the the scholars 
uh, were being hunted down, right? They were going to be massacred, killed. So my grandfather, who was a scholar, had to leave China, and he um, he escaped into Burma. And so my mom, so Eva is like so excited. So he's a refugee. I'm like, well, yeah, kind of, you know. And then she talked about why we moved to Canada, and I said, well, it's because there's a there's a career glass ceiling in Singapore, and and Daddy couldn't get a job as a professor in the university, right? Because they only gave it to the something like that. I don't know, like there was some kind of prejudice. So he had to come here, and she's like, "Oh yeah, that's what I learned." And and she's learning stuff, you know. It's about how my own dad also why he came to Singapore. It's like, why did Popo come to Singapore? I said, well, because he was an engineer for six years as a mechanical engineer in in Burma, and because he's Chinese, he never got promoted, right? So they were all racist. Like, you know, we promote the Burmese, so. His boss told him, either you get your ass to Houston, or to America, or to Singapore, and that's what my dad did. And he had to start from scratch, like he was a mechanical engineer, six years of experience, working in a you know a refinery, and he had to start being a mean manual worker in Singapore. What do you think? And Eva's eyes grew really big and round, and she's like, what? It's like, yeah. He worked for six months as a manual worker until his luck changed and people noticed that he had a different work ethic and uh, he eventually got, you know, his, his big break. And and then Eva started talking about my best friend who is like, you know, she's extremely, extremely affluent and you know, her her dad is like a multimillionaire and she, she went, how about, how about, how about, you know, your friend? It's like, you know, why did they ask? come to Singapore from India and I'm like you know they must be really really rich it's like no you know my friend's dad worked from scratch he didn't even go and finish university he had to work for his father in a grocery shop and that's how he grew the business he was he had foresight vision he applied himself he's hardworking that's how he turned around from a small grocery shop to a multi-million dollar business what do you think so then her eyes were like, you mean he didn't go to university and do all this? And I'm like, no, he just worked. And he applied vision. He had foresight. He took risks. So we we talked for like an hour and a half, me and Eva. I think an hour at least. All about, you know, the stories of her father, her, her, father, her grandfather, uh, my best friend's father, and all the stories. And she was like, she, and, and at the end... She ever said, this is such a great talk. And wow, for my 13-year-old to be engaging with me and learning about stories like this and being curious about entrepreneurship, about migration, about prejudice. And eventually we veered off to talk about Lee Kuan Yew and, you know, what makes a great leader, uh, you know, what's great governance and um, all the way to economics about how the Singapore dollar is pegged to gold and, you know, how do you, you know, the difference and, and all that finance stuff. And it was just crazy. I was like, wow, I'm having such a lot of fun with my daughter, you know, it's like just having such intellectual conversations. Um, it doesn't happen very often. Often she's just telling me, telling me to bugger off, but it's cool. It's really cool. So, yeah, this this recording is just to remember, you know, the 
these these poignant moments um, as uh, I see my kids literally grow up. I mean, not just physically, but also I see them intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, um, you know, growing up. And these are some of the good things about, you know, working from home is, um, yeah, we have these moments, these breaks where in between all that house chores and yelling at each other, we, we see the progress in each other's lives. So for all y'all parents out there and <laughs> um, yeah, have hope, you know, it's like kids are a lot smarter than what we think. And uh, sometimes, yeah, they tell you all the stuff you you makes you wonder it's like you know I'm, I really have confidence in our next generation um, of leaders you know which are our children who will be better governors than us that's so much more mature so there's definitely hope for a better brighter future and they are our kids so lots of love and hugs